time again for Doc Jacques, your Addiction Lifeguard podcast. I am Dr. Jacques de Bruckert, a psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and addiction specialist. If you are suffering from addiction, misery, trauma, whatever it is, I'm here to help. If you're in search of help to try to get your life back together, join me here at Doc Jacques, your Addiction Lifeguard, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. Sarah shows up and she says, I don't have a problem, but she's actually drunk when she's saying it. And she's drunk every day. She drinks about a half a gallon of vodka a day, but she keeps claiming that she doesn't have an issue. She doesn't show up for work, and when she does, she leaves early. People notice, family notices, and they really want to help. But she's just so resistant. But she's claiming that she's fine. And even though she's fine, she's not really fine. And that's the maddening thing. She keeps missing things and upsetting people. And then she starts blaming everybody else because they're not tolerating what she's doing. Why won't she seek the help? Why is she so resistant? What is all this arrogance about? It's just the craziest thing. You're not functioning. But you really should get the help but the help just never seems to be accepted. And then finally she says she wants the help and then she gets the help and it's offered, but she refuses it, but she keeps saying she needs it. So strange. What is wrong with Sarah? What is wrong with this picture? Well, there's nothing wrong with this picture if you don't really want to get into recovery, which makes no sense. Just take the help, Sarah, take it. But no. So if life is so difficult, why will someone not accept the help? Why won't you accept the help? If you are an addict and you're struggling and you're all upset and sad and frustrated and angry at the world because of your addiction, you think you don't need help. Just accept the help, but you don't. Why? Well, as I've said many, many, many times, primarily because you're arrogant, and you think your problem is not a problem, it's everybody else's problem because they can't handle you, and that's their problem. If they could just handle you, then everything would be fine. But in reality, what's going on is you have become crazy and out of your head. That's why you won't accept the help, because you're arrogant and you're crazy. That's really what addiction does to you, you know, makes you arrogant and crazy. So it's kind of like one of my uh, one of my former clients uh, used to refer to people like that as as Goldilocks. Everything has to be just right for you to go into some form of treatment, and the just right sometimes never really ap- actually happens. So what do we do with people who are like Goldilocks who wanted everything to be just right? Well, there is no just right. That's the problem. See, life is messy. And it's especially messy if you have addiction as a primary issue in your life at the moment. So there is no just right. There is no just right time. There's just no not, no just right place, right situation, right amount of money, 
the right type of rehab. You just have to take the help when it's offered. When I do uh, interventions, I'm looking to try to persuade somebody that the moment that somebody says to you, hey, here's some help, take it. I have to use every bit of personal power I have to move them into that recovery position and convince them that even though this is not the right time for them, it is the right time. But you know what? What do you do yourself if you're an addict and you're, you know, you're really looking for help and you can't seem to accept it? Well, here's a thought for you. Are you losing too much stuff? Are you losing too many people? Are you losing too much money? Did you lose your job? Did you lose some, something you didn't want to lose, a relationship, your freedom? You know, those are motivators for, for moving you towards recovery. But what if none of those things are actually there? Somehow, you're able to just get by with what you've been doing, how you've been doing it, to be able to get through life while you're still using your drug of choice. And I've got lots of stories of those. People who show up at work, and they show up and they're high or drunk, and they don't get noticed. Or the person who kind of pushes off withdrawal by drinking every couple of hours so they don't go into withdrawal while they're spending eight or ten hours on the job. And they get away with it because they're crafty and sneaky and they can figure out a way to to drink just enough alcohol to keep withdrawal from happening and get through the day. Or, even worse, they somehow have convinced a doctor that they have nerves and they've got they're upset about stuff and so they get benzos and they're taking the benzos to stave off the withdrawal during work so there's no alcohol in their breath but really what it comes down to if you have addiction and you've started to slip into that point listen you are not normal things are not normal you've turned that into normal but it is not normal for you to show up at work and be either going into withdrawal or needing alcohol to keep withdrawal from happening that is not okay and as much as your arrogant brain will tell you that everything's fine just like it is it's actually not okay and so this lie that you're living where you just think you got it going on and you figured out a way to get through life being drunk or being high and you know lord knows those of us me included who have done that we think we're we're we think we're pretty smart. We think we're doing it. We're getting away with it, but we're actually not getting away with it. I have many times seen people think that they um that it's really funny. It's like they get upset because they're going to go into rehab or they're going to go into uh start going to meetings and they're shamed and they don't want to admit that or they're paranoid that people are going to find out. The ironic thing is everybody already knows if you drink. Or if you do drugs and you're high, people know. Everybody knows. And then it's funny because they'll turn the recovery into shame. They don't turn the usage into shame. They turn recovery into shame. And that's just that's just ridiculous. It's, it's just it's bordering on stupidity. But that's what you think. And when we drink too much or we're doing uh, cocaine or smoking crack or something and we're working and we're, you know, we're going to school, we think nobody really notices or cares. Again, that's that's the thing with uh, arrogance. It kicks in, right? And it convinces you that everything is fine when actually it's not. And so the eye-opening experience of being confronted by somebody or talked to by somebody who is compassionately talking to you just as a friend, and they're not, act they're not actually asking you to do anything. They're not telling you, 
you know, go to go to rehab or, you know, start working on your recovery. They're literally just talking to you. I mean, that's what happened to me. Uh, somebody that I worked with just kind of took me aside and said, asked me the question, why are you trying to kill yourself drinking? That was kind of an eye opening thing for a 20 something year old kid, you know, cause I'm old now, but a kid to hear, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? Well, I see you and I, 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 I worry about you. I was like, Whoa, that's a really interesting message. I'm worrying about you. You're worried about what? You know, it's like, because well, people don't think that they're dying or they're killing themselves. It just never enters into their head. This is a dangerous game. You're, you're, you're doing heroin. You're, you're smoking crack. You're snorting cocaine or, you know, you're mixing pills or you're drinking. It never really occurs to you that what you could be doing there is actually really killing yourself. We don't think about that. I didn't think about that. I don't know that anybody really does. So it never enters your head that, you know, you got to stop because you're going to die. Heroin is the one exception. You overdose on heroin, you've died, right? And you've, somebody's administered Narcan and shot it up your nose so that you can instantly uh, be revived. But it's irrefutable evidence that you've died. But even then, you know, the really good heroin addicts, they just they just laugh it off. It's like, it's not a big deal. However, the idea that somebody would actually talk to you and just say, Hey, I see you and I'm worried about you, uh, as a message without anything attached to it, like go get help, go to meetings, do something. And you know, that's a, that's a very powerful experience. It was for me. Didn't change the course of direction for me. I still kept at the drinking, which is, was an interesting thing now as I look back on it 40 years later it's like wow somebody compassionately said to me hey I'm worried about you and you just kind of said nothing I'll tell you one thing though for those of you who have had that happen to you it's something you're never ever going to forget I never forgot it it's stuck in my head I, I I'm drawing a blank on the gentleman's name who did it but uh he did it one summer uh when I was in my 20s and I never forgot that. It did not curb my drinking. It did make me painfully aware of the fact that, I, that how much I was drinking. But it didn't stop my drinking at that moment. But what's interesting is when you have those experiences and somebody is just saying, hey, I see you and I'm worried about you, perhaps that message will settle into your brain and will make it so that you actually do want to do something about it. Maybe not. So if you're listening to this and you have a loved one who has an, has an addiction, it's worth saying those words and saying them frequently, perhaps. But saying them with compassion is the important part of it, right? So anyway, if you have addiction and you're, you're, you're struggling with the idea of like the arrogance is taking you over, why won't you accept help? Well, accept help with what? And under whose terms? Many of the people that I have dealt with over the years have experienced a surrendering that I witness right in front of me of when they finally accept the help. You know, I do interventions and I do them fairly re regularly uh, for a variety of different drugs and different ages and genders of people and situations. And it's only one time have I had somebody just flatly refuse to 
to get the help that they needed and just storm out. And that was the end of it, uh, out of all these years. But, um, having the experience of witnessing somebody surrender, go from Goldilocks to surrender, uh, was, was really interesting. Um, because what happens is you, you feel this tremendous sense of relief. That's what I see is a, a sense of relief. Sometimes it takes a while for that relief to kick in, you know, they, especially if you're struggling with a chemical and your brain is, is impaired because of chemical usage in the moment, it might take a while as you're detoxing before you start to fully surrender to the idea that, you know, recovery is perhaps something I need to do. However, watching somebody surrender, it's more than just a mental thing. It's actually a physical thing. A spiritual thing you can see them surrender to the idea that they actually do need help and it's wonderful when you see that but boy oh boy being goldilocks you <laughs> you're you're at the extreme end of avoiding you know everything running away everything's got to be just right before you'll agree and so is there a just right no there is not there is no point where it's like, hey, I, everything is just as it needs to be for me to be able to go. It actually is not the case. It's probably the worst time to go. It's the worst situation, the most inconvenient. But what really counts is the fact that you agree to go. So surrendering and surrendering to recovery is a thing that's a process, right? And so planting the seeds and letting them grow might be the, the way to think of it. But as an addict... When you hear somebody coming at you, instantly defensive, instantly guarded, maybe even counterattacking because you feel attacked. You are not being attacked. I just want to be real clear about that for you. You're not being attacked. What's happening is your addiction is being confronted. Not you, but the addiction. And as my, my theory is that addiction is the enemy that's attacking you. And so when somebody coming is coming to you and saying, hey, I'm worried about you and I, I, I see what you're doing and I'm really worried about your welfare. What they're doing is they're telling you, hey, there's an enemy attacking you and we don't like it. I don't like it. I see it. Do you see it? And that's the key is like you got to see that this is an addiction and it is an enemy that is attacking you and it wants to take everything away from you and then it wants to kill you. But it's going to take everything away first. Everything important anyway. So if you're Goldilocks and you're laying in the bed and one's too hard and one's too soft and this one's just right, that's one thing that's been eliminated that are the obstacles that in your head is an obstacle to recovery. But you, you've you put up that obstacle. But then you got to go through all the other stuff. The chair, the porridge. It's all everything. You're going to put up obstacles for everything. Stop with the nonsense and thinking that people are criticizing you. They're not. They're criticizing and attacking your enemy. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend has you thinking that they're attacking you and they're not. When somebody comes to you and they actually have to sacrifice the relationships perhaps in that confronting, they have taken the risk that they're willing to lose the relationship with you because they'd rather lose that relationship than lose you as a person on this planet living and breathing. The tremendous amount of risk 
and a tremendous amount of love and care that they are sending your way. They're throwing you a life raft. They're throwing you a ring buoy. I hope everybody knows what that is. It's that round thing that's got the rope around it that people throw off a ship. Man overboard! They're throwing you a ring buoy and you're drowning. Grab the ring buoy. You don't start saying, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And you're drowning. You don't start saying that it's my fault. I shouldn't grab the ring buoy because I sh you're telling me I should, I, I should know how to swim. Well, I never had lessons and you don't know what it's like to be in this water like this. Uh, no. What's the problem? Who's the enemy? Well, the enemy is the water. You're drowning in water and people are trying to help you get out of the water. And you're saying, well, you're attacking my character because I can't swim. That's idiotic. They're not attacking your character. They're trying to give you a ring buoy to help you come back to shore or get back on the boat safely so you don't drown. They're making a comment about the fact that you're in water and the water is the problem. Let me help you get out of the water. Your drug of choice is like the water. It's the problem in that moment. It's not the fact that you are not swimming or that you don't know how to swim. It's the water. And so to use that metaphor a little bit further, what they want to do is they want to teach you how to swim so you can make your way through life without drowning. And you never got taught how to swim. So take the ring buoy. Stop saying it's character assassination. Stop thinking they're attacking you. They're not attacking you. They're attacking addiction. Your enemy. Your common enemy. Their enemy. Your enemy. So focus on the enemy, not the fact that you're not succeeding in winning that battle. So Sarah, it's kind of funny. Sarah had some issues with her thinking. She had an impaired thought process caused by chemical ingestion, in her case, of ethanol, benzos, and marijuana. And her impaired thinking would not allow her to be rational. So you have, you know, like the, the lion tamer who's got the chair and the whip and he's like, you know, yelling orders at the lion and, and the chair is going to help him. Well, she's trying to keep the, the lion away, but she doesn't have a chair and the whip is like the size of a straw. So she's eventually going to get eaten and, and she thinks that she's not. And so the, that impaired brain tells her, no, she has a chair. No, she doesn't have a chair. She's got a stick. And she's got a whip. No, she's got a straw. But she's seeing chair and whip. Well, she doesn't have that. And that's impaired thinking. So if you're listening to this, and, and if you're working on moving towards recovery, understand you, you have impaired thinking. Whatever you reality you think is there is not there. It is not there. I once saw a picture uh, on the internet of a place, and I, I think it was in China, I'm not sure. It's a building that has this uh, very thick glass or plexiglass uh, floor. And it's up on this high-rise building. And you can walk out on that plexiglass. And there's nothing under you except for that glass and the steel structure around it. And you can walk out there and you can look down from like, you know, 50 floors up or 100 floors up or whatever it is. And you're looking down and, oh, my gosh, you know, it's like you're you're literally look like you're standing in on air. It's like the... Like the uh, the Warner Brothers cartoon with the wily e. coyote and he runs off the cliff and he realizes he's got nothing under him and he looks down and then he then he falls, 
that's kind of the perception. And I imagine that's probably what it, what it feels like for you guys um, who are struggling with, with addiction and recovery and the concept of recovery. <clears throat> um, it's like a scary thing that can't possibly be real. Uh, and how am I going to just survive this? It's all a facade. I'm using a lot of metaphors today and analogies. Um, <laughs> apologize for that. Uh, but you get my point. So if you're Goldilocks and you're hanging around waiting for things to be just right, forget it. There is no just right. There's there's just right now. That's it. There's just right now. Just right doesn't exist. Getting into recovery is a long process and it's painful and it's drawn out and protracted and, and challenging and difficult and at times it feels heartbreaking. But you know what? You can do it. And you're not going to lose everything getting into recovery, but you will lose everything staying in your addiction. Trust me, you will. And those of us who are people in, in the helping profession who want to help people with recovery, what we're doing is we're waiting for that person to uh, hit bottom. We use that phrase like, you know, you're going to hit bottom. And I don't know what your bottom looks like. And there's a lot of jokes about, you know, yeah, yeah, his bottom had a, had a, subfloor and it had a then it had a basement then it had a basement a sub basement and then there was another sub basement and finally they hit bottom because they kept bouncing and and finding that bottom is difficult and goldilocks who's waiting around for things to be just right probably is going to hit that bottom maybe hard maybe a few times so hit hit things on the way down but we wait and we wait and we wait and we hope and we pray that the person does not come to harm in the process because we really don't want people to come to harm. But if you're Goldilocks and you're waiting for that perfect time, you might be hitting bottom on the way to that perfect time. And that's okay. If you want to hit bottom, that's okay. We'll, we'll be there for you. We'll be waiting patiently. So resisting is resisting the enemy. But it's really not. It's partnering with the enemy, the enemy being addiction, the one that's attacking you. So my suggestion is to not partner with your enemy in attacking yourself, but accept that offer of help. If it's extended, even if it feels uncomfortable, even if it means you have to admit defeat in your own ability to stop your addiction, even if it means I'm going to inconvenience myself. I'm going to risk some things here and people are going to talk. Yeah, they're talking, but they're already talking. They're talking about how bad it's gotten. And if a person comes along and says, hey, I'm worried about you, listen to them because they're probably speaking from their heart and they don't want you to die. They don't want you to come to harm and they're scared. I, I, I hear fear all the time because fentanyl is in everything. And we're losing so many people to fentanyl and people are very scared about their loved ones taking drugs that could be laced with fentanyl and it's a genuine fear and it doesn't matter what it is. There are things that people are putting into everything, marijuana, cocaine, speed, it doesn't matter. They're putting fentanyl in everything because it's a cheap way to get a high and a dealer knows that. And if you get a little bit of fentanyl in something, you can get really high from it. And then the customer, you, the addict, is going to say, hey, yeah, this is awesome, man. This really got some light, you know, but you have no, you're leaving your life in the hands of somebody who's trying to turn a profit and they don't care about you. 
They just want you to buy more and they're not chemists. Trust me, they're not trained chemists or pharmacists. They have no idea what they're doing and they don't know their products. They're just getting the product as they think it is and they don't realize it's what it is. And so they're just doing what they think is right and you're putting your hands or you're putting your life in their hands. Well, you're going to die probably. I mean, over 100,000 people are dying and that's the reported ones. There there are people that are dying from fentanyl overdose that overdoses that don't get reported that way. So accept the help Goldilocks. You don't have to stand around complaining about things not being right. Just accept the help. Well, that's it for this episode of Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard. I hope you got something from this podcast. We, I, I really do appreciate you listening. And for the listeners in other countries, I do appreciate you too. Please, if you're in need of help, wherever you are, South Africa, Germany, Italy, France, England, Scotland, I got a listener in Scotland, the United States, doesn't matter, Canada, please get the help. It's out there for you. Go to an emergency room if you're in dire need of help. And if not, you can go to a rehab, get some help, go to a meeting, get the help. Please don't surrender your life trying to preserve your addiction. Don't be like Goldilocks and be resistant. Well, I hope you listen to another episode and thanks for listening to this one. This is Dr. Jacques de Brugert saying goodbye. <laughs>